You've probably heard of Poopery, the before you go toilet spray with over 100,000 five-star reviews that you and your coworkers swear by at the office. But did you know that the brand also has delicious smelling candles, aluminum-free deodorant, and even a spray for getting rid of that cannabis lingering stench? Do you have foul-smelling sneakers? Give them a spritz of the cedarwood eucalyptus shoe and foot spray. Is your dog's bed smelling a little funky lately? Positively fresh odor eliminator will do the trick. Use code GIRLBOSS to get 20% off your one-time purchase of $25 or more at Puri.com. That's P-O-U-R-R-I.com. Offer expires on January 31st, 2023. Hello, and welcome back to Girl Boss Radio. I'm your host, Avery. I'm the founder and CEO of the workplace design consultancy, Bloom. As your host, I'm on a mission to bring you real, useful advice through candid conversations with some of the world's most impressive women. Today, we're talking to Nedra Glover Tawab, a therapist and best-selling author of the book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace. Nedra's niche is relational dynamics. We bring our lived experiences everywhere we go and the quality of the relationships we have impacts how we feel and perform at work. Today, we talked about how setting boundaries can save your most important relationships. So if you've ever struggled with setting boundaries at work and beyond, this conversation is for you. Keep listening. Nedra, thank you so much for joining us today for this conversation all about boundary setting. How are you doing today? I am amazing. How about you? (laughs) I'm good. I have to ask, why are you feeling amazing? Whenever anyone says amazing or anything higher on the tier of good or great, I'm just like, tell me why. (laughs) I need to know. I just feel like today is a great day. The weather is nice. I had a wonderful breakfast. I slept well last night. I had a wonderful cup of tea. It's just going well. No mishaps. Everything is just panning out. So (laughs) this is a good day. I'm so excited. I followed you for quite a long time. I've read your book a few times and I've actually recommended it to a lot of people in my life, including my family members. We'll get into that later on. So first and foremost, for folks that may not necessarily be familiar with your work, you have been a therapist for over 15 years now. Where do people struggle most with setting and communicating their boundaries? I would say that the biggest issue is trying to find the right words. People often overthink what to say. Like I get so many questions around, how do I tell someone I don't want to come to their party? You already have the words. I don't want to, I don't want to come, but I won't be able to make it. I have something else going on this weekend because of this season. There are lots of parties to attend and I kind of have to pick my energy level and three in one week is too much. There are so many ways to say things, but we get really focused on, I don't want to be offensive. What is the best way possible, the least offensive way? And I think the really challenging thing is it really depends on the person. I don't mind people being direct with me. Other people will say, no, please treat me with kid gloves. So we really have to think about the people in our lives and that's how we cater what we need to say to them. But staying silent is certainly a problem. We will have these boundary issues for a very long time. The other person does not know it. And by the time we say it, we're so irritated, frustrated, angry, upset, 
and it is their first time hearing it. And so that's never a good thing. So I would say get away from trying to find the perfect words and say it with the words that you already have. So in your opinion, and as a therapist, what are boundaries? A boundary is a rule, a need, an expectation that you have for yourself and you express those to other people. So often we think boundaries is this thing that we say to other people and they must do it. But really anything we ask of other people, it's kind of a request, right? It's like, you know, hey, can you be on time to this thing? Hey, would you mind taking your shoes off? Hey, would you mind, you know, being monogamous? You know, it's like, you know, it's like these things we put out there and they have the option to honor those things or not. Now there are conditions for us to be in a relationship with us. You know, if I want to be in a monogamous relationship and you disagree with that, then we can't be in a relationship, right? So it's for me, it's not necessarily say, you can never do this thing. Well, you have options. And I have an option too, to shift the way I show up in this relationship, decide if I want to be in it decide if I want to invite you over my house anymore. Like those are all the things that I can do. And those things are my boundaries. Absolutely. Okay. And I think that for me, I I feel inundated with advice and conversations and hot takes on setting boundaries. And I think that you and I had a conversation prior to today's conversation about the world of TikTok and IG influencer and life coach advice, people that don't necessarily have any certifications or real tangible experience that are really kind of leaning into giving folks blanketed advice about how they should set boundaries at work and, and beyond. What do you think the world of like TikTok and Instagram are getting wrong about setting boundaries? You really have to think about, is this something that I am okay with doing? There are times when, yes, we have a boundary, but for the greater good of a situation, we need to remain in it. I remember when I had a job and, you know, if I worked from 11 to seven, I had to wait for the person to relieve me. My personal boundary was to leave on time, but guess what I couldn't do? leave on time. (laughs) So I would have to wait. Of course, I could have said, you know what? My boundary is to leave. I quit this job. That would not have been in my best interest. So I stayed at the job to whatever time the other person showed up. You know, after a while of being at that job, I did have someone who would come later and later and later. And I noticed, oh my gosh, they really don't respect this thing. I started to look for a different job because I knew that for my schedule, this does not work for me. I did not tell them as their coworker, you need to do this. It's like, okay, it's documented. You have this issue. Management isn't doing anything about it. I think sometimes social media is teaching us that we can set boundaries no matter what in any situation with anything. And there's levels to it. There are times where we need to keep a job until we get another job. And so there are things that you may have to tolerate, not with a smile, but tolerate until you're in a better position. There are things that I'm able to do now in my career I could not do 10 years ago. Now I can say no a ton. You know, 10 years ago, I was, yes, yes, when, how, where, 
you know, I, I didn't have that flexibility. So I can't suggest to every single person in the world, just say no to anything you don't feel like doing. That's not sound advice. I don't want to get you fired. I don't want you to, you know, need help with your bills. I want you to think about what can actually work for you. Sometimes the boundary that we don't talk enough about is shifting our expectations of other people, right? There are some situations when I think about work, when I think about family relationships where I can have an expectation that, oh gosh, when I start this new job, they're going to train me, they're going to do all this stuff and it doesn't happen. And I have to shift my expectation to, who can I go and ask? <laughs> like, who can I ask to help me do this job because I don't feel well trained? My expectation may not fit that environment, but it doesn't necessarily mean, you know what? I need to throw this whole thing away. Yes, the world does not revolve around your boundaries, unfortunately. And it's so, so interesting. My team and I were actually laughing about a uh, TikTok that went viral of a woman that said, I left my job and as a final kind of stick it to the moment, I deleted all of the work I worked on while I was there. So essentially stealing and discarding of intellectual property that the company owned. And there was a lot of different workplace lawyers and HR folks and people like the folks on my team that were kind of weighing in on this dialogue and this discourse, because there was a lot of like TikTok influencers that were like, yeah, good for you. This is how you set your boundaries because this is how the woman had framed it. But ultimately they're like, uh, you just put yourself at massive risk of getting sued or or facing some pretty serious implications. So I think that um, what you shared about the nuance around our boundaries and how sometimes we have to temper or adjust those based on the environments that we're in is a really important thing for us to kind of consider. I think it's one thing to quit and I think it's another thing to sabotage. Now, I've never watched this video. I don't know anything about this. I'm just jumping in here to say that even when we have a boundary or a standard, I believe in kindness, that there are certain ways of doing things. And sometimes what we're doing, we're not setting a boundary. We're actually just being malicious. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Now, I'm curious, what usually prevents people from setting healthy boundaries? Waiting too long to set them. I think when we go aggressive, we have probably gone too long. We think about what to say for months. You know, I I think about the relationships that I've ended. It hasn't been one thing. It's not like, you know, one time you did X. It's like 275 things that I've tolerated. And now I'm at the point of, I should have tolerated the second thing. (laughs) Now I have this long list. We can't go back and address all of this stuff, but this whole cycle of whatever this is, it just doesn't work. And I, I find that when you get into a relationship and you're in the habit of having unhealthy boundaries, once you start to set the boundaries, it's very odd for the other person, right? It's like, wait, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? I actually have a question around like how much of our childhood influences how good we are at setting boundaries. 
is such a big part of who we are. How we learn boundaries is certainly based on what we see. And we can take different things from our environments. As children, often, unfortunately, boundaries aren't respected. You being able to say what you want to do and what you don't want to do, that's not being respectful as a child. Just now, our kids able to like say things to their parents. The other day, one of my kids said something, I don't know what it was, but her uncle said, oh my gosh, if I would have said that when I was a kid, I said, I know. And this is why we can't talk to our parents when we're 50. (laughs) Because we couldn't even say to our parents, I don't want to eat macaroni. (laughs) So let alone at 50 saying, hey mom, we're still afraid to talk to our parents and we're adults. But that foundation of you can't have an opinion, anything you say to me is talking back, do not share your emotions with me, it continues. And now we get into these cycles of, oh my gosh, I can't talk to my parents. Every time I try to say something, they take it as me being disrespectful. Yeah, definitely. And I think that in your book, which I already mentioned, I've read a few times now, you talk about the role of shame and guilt in setting boundaries and how prevents us sometimes from actually setting the boundaries that we need to lead healthier lives. What are some common signs of guilt or shame that are getting in the way of communicating our boundaries with others? Guilt is the biggest culprit, and it really has to do with us assuming how the other person might feel, because we know how it feels when people place boundaries with us. It's not a good feeling for someone to tell us no, or for someone to not be able to do something for us. I saw today where someone said, people admire your discipline until you have to tell them no. I think it's this thing of, you know, I, I, I think it's wonderful if you have boundaries with everyone else except for me. And we know that about people. We're in relationships with people. Your friends hear you talk about all these scenarios with other people. You know how your parents and your siblings operate. So we know when we say certain things, this is how they will likely feel. And that just deters us. We're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to say anything. We can't predict conversations and we can't predict how people will respond to what we say. What we have to do is just Say it and hope for the best. I hope that this goes well. And how do we move past what we anticipate to happen and get to what we need to communicate in order to set those boundaries with folks? The best time to do a hard thing is when you're thinking about doing a hard thing. Ooh, I love that. We sit with stuff so long. We will think about it for two weeks, two days, two minutes. And it's like, when did you start thinking about it? This would have been a great time to just text this person. To have to be in a relationship with someone and you're secretly upset at them or you secretly have a desire and they not know it, it's a missed opportunity to go deeper. So I think the moment we feel it or soon after, My goal is always soon after I am patting myself on the back because I've noticed I have gotten myself to about 24 hours. I will think about something and within the 24 hours, I usually will say something. I think after we say the hard thing, there is this flood of relief that just washes over you. Even when you like break up with someone. You know, like when you break up with someone, like all that pressure you had on yourself to like say it this way, make sure, you know, they're in this setting. Like once you say it, it's like, 
oh, oh my gosh, it's out. So I feel that same way with the boundary. Like there is a sense of release when you let the other person know. How can people practice just being more clear? Because from your book and from everything that you share on on Instagram, it seems that clarity seems to be a common theme with setting better boundaries. How do we actually master that part of it? I once heard that Apple tries to describe their products in three to five words. Music in your pocket, you know, like just really quick, simple, so you get it. And I I think when we're trying to describe really hard stuff, we use so many words. Like I am shocked at the paragraph lengths that I've seen of trying to say no. (laughs) It's like, did you just write 10 pages on? No, I think they missed it (laughs) because it was so long. And I wonder if we could get that to maybe three sentences two sentences, one sentence. How do we condense what we need to say? Because typically what we start to to get away from is what we need to say and we start to move into context and theory and our feelings and all of this stuff when what you're actually saying is, I won't be able to help you with this thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that might come from a place of trying to justify your boundaries. But I think that justification isn't necessarily required to clearly communicate what your boundary is, right? Absolutely. Some of the worst arguments I've had is to argue about whether my boundary was appropriate. And again, it's not like, you know, I'm coming to your house and setting a boundary. I'm telling you what you should do with yourself. So if my boundary is about me, like, oh no, I don't want anything to drink right now. Why not? Whoa. (laughs) I have to justify not wanting, you know, like it's, we get into this controlling of other people. When you tell me, no, you have to give me a reason. And it's like, do we really have to do that? It puts so much pressure on us and lets us know I can't communicate with this person. So how do we respond to people that violate our boundaries? What do we do? If we've communicated clearly, we've shared what our boundary is, and they have decided to forgo the boundary setting and violate those boundaries, how do we respond to those folks? I think we can repeat the boundary. Now, here's the thing with that. Some of us will get tired of repeating and you have to decide what is your limit with that. I I don't know what that limit is, but I would say repeat the boundary. The other thing I would say is figure out if there is space for you to have a boundary that you're maybe requesting of this other person to have, maybe there is something you need to have. And I'll give you an example. People will say, oh my gosh, my mother-in-law tells the family everything that I say to her. Stop telling your mother-in-law stuff. That is your boundary. So it's not stopping her from sharing because she's demonstrated that she can't stop that. She's unwilling, (laughs) right? So the boundary now goes back to you. Do you want to continue to share with her? Because what you share will be told. And you're now creating this cycle of self-induced boundary violations. (laughs) Like, stop sharing, find someone else, you know, get in a chat room. I don't know, but don't share with that person because they have repeatedly demonstrated they're not going to honor your boundary. 
Shopping women-founded brands for the holiday and all year round just got a whole lot easier. Girlboss Goods is our elevated and curated marketplace of products made exclusively by women. Behind every product, from that dreamy body oil to the game-changing planner, is a founder with a success story to tell. Check everyone off of your list by heading to girlboss.com goods. That's girlboss.com goods. You're listening to Girlboss Radio with my guest and expert on all things boundaries, Nedra. I'm about to do something I've never done before on this podcast. Ask for some personal advice. Keep listening. I'm going to do something a little bit different here. I'm going to practice vulnerability and I'm going to share a situation that I came across a couple of weeks ago um, with a group that in your book you define as like probably the, the, the most challenging kind of culprits to navigate setting boundaries with, which is family. So I've started seeing someone new. It is a very fresh relationship. And this person lives in another country. And he came over to visit me at my home here in Toronto. I'm actually living between Toronto and Iceland at the moment. So it's been some time since I've been home and seen my family, but had had kind of spent some time with them prior to this person coming to visit. Now, I very clearly stated to my parents who are notorious for not respecting my boundaries that I set with them, that I didn't want them popping by. They had sent me a couple of texts saying, we're going to pop by, we want to have a cocktail, or we want to hang out for a bit. And I said, no, I have a new person here that I'm dating. I think it's too soon for you to meet this person for a lot of obvious reasons. Uh, So I appreciate if you didn't come by. So no response. Hours later, I get a ring on my doorbell. And my dad enters my home because he has the code and everything with a bottle of scotch in hand. And is like, hey, I'm here to have a drink with the new guy you're seeing. So I was really taken aback and not happy about this. But I am unfortunately not great at setting boundaries and also relatively flexible and easygoing. I was like, okay, well, this is funny and it's a good story, if anything. So fair enough, I'm just going to roll with it. But reflecting back, I do feel really uncomfortable with what happened. And I wanted to kind of, for our audience and also for myself, get your advice on how I should manage setting boundaries with my parents moving forward so this doesn't happen again. Well, here is what I think will likely happen. An opportunity missed is an experience that will be repeated. So because of how that situation was handled, I wouldn't say you don't have any boundaries. I would say you set an unhealthy boundary. When they arrived, you invited them in. <laughs> so they they learned nothing. <laughs> they learned nothing. And I wonder if a consequence could have been, oh my gosh, thank you for stopping by, but I want you guys to leave now. Thank you so much. Or, you know, hey, we'll have one drink, um, but after this you have to go. Or dad, I see it, please don't come by. I need you to leave. This is really awkward for me. You know, having that conversation at that time, or even now, I mean, we're talking about it now. So you can still go back and talk about this is what I requested. This is what actually happened. In the future, I will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I, I have a lot of fear around that. And I appreciate you sharing that feedback. Thank you for that. In your book, you said that clear communication saves relationships. 
And I think that I'm guilty of not clearly communicating at times because I want to, in my opinion, have better relationships. But from your book and also what I observe on your Instagram, it seems as though I might be doing this wrong. (laughs) How can people listening communicate with more clarity so they can save their relationships, whether it be with their family members, friends, partners, or even at work? We have to deprogram this overthinking we do about how the other person will respond. 80% of the time when I've thought, oh, if I say this, they'll say that. I've been wrong. I haven't been right. I'm terrible at my assumptions. If my assumptions were the lottery, I would lose every time. (laughs) Like I lose every time. Like my odds are terrible. Most of us have the same terrible odds as me because there are so many factors. I don't know the growth that a person has done in 24 hours. Like I don't know what mood they're in. And here I am assuming this is how this interaction will go. I've had wonderful responses together and it didn't go well. I've had terrible responses to something and it went really well. So I am, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I've talked through things. Okay. So I'm going to say this and I'm going to say that. And then I say it and I'm like, oh, whoa, that didn't go how I thought it would. I didn't think you would say that. You know, so we're always in this cycle of if this, then it's a time waster. Yes. We are not writing TV shows. We don't know what's going to happen next. This is not a, it's like, I know what this character will do. You do not know what the character will do. Stop this. (laughs) Just have the conversation. Oftentimes in therapy, my clients will go through this whole thing. Now sessions, you know, it's about an hour. So I'll let them go for about 30 and they'll say this. And I know, you know, they'll go through this whole thing, 30 minutes into it. And I'll say, you know, all of this is hypothetical. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All of this is, you know, I don't know what they'll say. It's so fun how we were just able to engage in this creative story writing process together. (laughs) Like it's, We just wrote a whole story and maybe we'll see it one day on TV, but I guarantee it won't happen that way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I think that our inability to set good boundaries for ourselves and with others comes with us everywhere we go. And I know we've talked a lot about family dynamics and relational dynamics with partners and and friends and, and people close to us in our personal lives, but this definitely shows up for work. So how can the people pleasers within our girl boss community set boundaries with confidence at work with their bosses, with their peers and colleagues. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I think most of us are people pleasers. Some of us have activated the people pleasing in us at a higher level, right? We have to be people pleasers. That's why we style our hair and wear certain body products to smell good. And, you know, you want other people to be pleased with you. I think the challenge is when you have that higher level of people pleasing tendency, you never consider yourself, right? You are always at the bottom of your list. Everyone is always higher than you. You are hyper consumed with, I need to do this right. This person needs to be pleased with me. But what I've learned about people pleasing is even when you do your best, people will have something to say. 
If we haven't learned that from the internet, that is the biggest lesson. I mean, someone could bake a pound cake and there will be some comments or why did you use four sticks of butter? And I mean, there's going to be something from someone about something. It's unfortunate, but it is the way of the world. Why? We cannot please everyone. Everyone has their own expectations of how things should go. And it's not about, well, the only person I need to please is myself. No, we live in a world with other people. But you do need to consider yourself in the things that you're deciding to do with and for others. Consider yourself, is this too much? Is this something that I can do and still be able to operate in my own life? We have to consider those things as well. We should not be showing up to help as depleted, burnout people. We should be showing up to help in the right spirit. Absolutely. So for folks listening that want to set better boundaries at work, it seems like you've shared a lot of really great tips on how folks can do that. But there's some very obvious power dynamics at play within a workplace because it's attached to our ability to earn a living, pay our bills, support our children, et cetera, et cetera. People listening might still face or live with the fear of facing retaliation or even the reality of getting fired for setting a boundary with a boss. How can people listening honor their boundaries at work, even if they don't feel comfortable or ready to communicate them yet? Is that possible? All of the things that we do well are practiced. There is something that with boundaries, we feel like it should just be like this natural thing. It's not. It will require practice, just like you learn how to write, how to read, how to ride a bike, how to do all of these things. This is another thing that will require you to start at step one and continue practicing. So perhaps this is something that people can practice at work. If you don't feel comfortable telling someone, hey, you know what, I can't work late every single day this week, perhaps that means that you just stop work when your contract says you're meant to stop work, which is at 5 p.m. perhaps. Is that something that people can do to better establish boundaries where they're like perhaps silently engaging in honoring the boundaries for themselves without proclaiming them or professing them to people that hold a significant amount of power over them at work? Absolutely. Boundaries are two things. They are verbal and they are behavioral. What you're talking about is a behavior boundary. I will leave work at four o'clock. You don't have to say to a person, I'm going to leave work every day at four o'clock. You just need to leave at four o'clock. You know, it's like that person who leaves the party without saying to everyone, I'm leaving the party. They've set their boundary. They're gone. (laughs) Do we have to communicate that to people? Yes, sometimes. But, you know, there are other times when we could really just lean into managing our behavior and letting that be the boundary. Now, thinking about the workplace and specifically women at work, do you think it's possible for us to be successful without setting boundaries? Mm. No. I was hoping you'd say that. What advice do you have for women that want to achieve more success on their own terms at work as it relates to setting boundaries? We live in a space where we will always have needs and expectations. And if you think that you can operate without communicating those things to other people, you will be burnt out, anxious, frustrated, people-pleasing, unhappy worker. 
it's so important to have the boundaries for yourself, to communicate those with other people, not to assume that they should know. We really have to go into these systems and advocate for ourselves because the systems only get better when people advocate. I think about that when you see the, the sign in the, the grocery store parking lot, like four people with children, someone advocated for that. That grocery store didn't just think of that. That was someone saying, hey, when people are pregnant, they don't want to walk very far. <laughs> you know, it's like we have to have these people willing to speak about boundaries, to advocate for not just themselves, but there are a lot of things we can do in work environments that impact multiple people. But we do have an Ask a Girl Boss question. We ask every guest that we meet with a question. And this is an interesting one. And it's kind of related to the comment that you just made about pregnant folks, in some cases, not wanting to have to walk really far. In this case, a girl boss community member had shared, my employer has been trying to push me out of the company since finding out I'm pregnant. What advice do you have for this person? It is like a statement and I guess a question. I would wonder if there's an HR department, what sort of things that they have evidence-wise that are tangible things that they could take to the HR department. If there is not an HR department in most places, there is some organization that can help you fight for fairness in the workspace. You cannot be fired because you are pregnant. You can be fired if you're not doing your job, but because you're pregnant, not a reason. So if you feel like you're being discriminated against, I would say a beautiful boundary is to advocate for yourself to make sure that you are able to show up in that space and not be attacked and not be bullied to leave it. Absolutely. And I'm going to put my HR hat on for those of you who are listening. I do lead an HR consulting firm by the name of Bloom. We do fractional HR advisory. In this case, I would definitely recommend to go to the HR person at your work. If there isn't HR, and unfortunately, a lot of organizations these days do not have HR as part of the organization for some wild reason, perhaps this might be a good opportunity for you to, as per Nidra's advice, collect the data and the information that you have that leads you to believe that this is uh, happening and transpiring and perhaps present this information to an employment lawyer and seek outside like third-party support if you do not have that support of that person to go to within your organization. Nedra, I wanted to ask you a few quick rapid fire questions just to wrap up our conversation today. What is your favorite book? This is tough. The Autobiography of Malcolm X. Ooh, okay, cool. Favorite workday snack? Jelly beans. Oh, I haven't, I haven't thought about jelly beans in ages. <laughs> oh, you got one right there for folks. For if you're listening, she just picked up a jelly bean and showed one to me. So this is facts. <laughs> what, what time do you typically wake up in the morning? 6 a.m. Okay. And then my question is morning or evening person? morning. In the evening, I start like repeating myself. I'm like, I need to go to bed and wake up tomorrow. I can't (laughs) even function anymore. (laughs) What time do you typically go to bed? Ideally somewhere between nine and 10. Okay. And how many unread emails do you currently have in your inbox? I'm looking at 37, but I have probably read all of those and then just changed them to unread because I haven't responded. So maybe around 10. 
Okay, perfect. Well, Nedra, thank you so much for joining us today and having this conversation. I know that the information that you shared with us today is going to help a lot of folks in their journey on setting better boundaries and the practice of that. Because like you said, it, it really is a practice. Thank you so much. This was delightful. Thank you for listening to my chat with Nedra. Not going to lie. After we wrapped up the recording, I asked her if she would consider taking me on as a client in her therapy practice, but she's all booked up. (laughs) Nedra, if you're listening, I will wait for you. Either way, I hope our chat left you feeling better about having those difficult conversations and setting boundaries with ease. This podcast is produced by Liz Goober and Victoria Christie and edited by Diego Domine. Until next time, keep blooming.